0: Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. What do Thomas Paine, Napoleon, Richard Nixon and now Mark Drakeford have in common? Well, they're all proponents of a universal basic income. And following the stunning victory of Welsh Labour in the recent Senate election, the Labour government in Wales has announced the pilot of a universal basic income. But will a UBI make a difference in Wales? Will what the Welsh government offer be universal? And do they even have the power to offer it? Could this trial that we're about to have in Wales do more harm than good to those who propose a UBI. Tonight joining me and Kerry to discuss the situation in Wales and the lessons we can learn from Scotland. We have Jonathan Arisa-Williams, founder of UBI Lab Wales. Hello Jonathan. Hello Matt. And we've got Corin Barkley who's on the steering group of the Scottish Citizens Basic Income Feasibility Group. Hello Corin.
1: Hello.
0: Hello. So let's start off with a really simple uh, question for those who don't know. Corin, what exactly is a universal basic income
1: essentially the general concept of a basic income is based on offering every individual uh, regardless of existing welfare benefits or earned income an unconditional regular payment
0: Jonathan obviously the UBI lab has been proposing UBI in Wales for, for quite some time now what do you believe could be achieved by this well either the UBI pilot or UBI in
2: general in Wales from my perspective, at least, uh, the reason I got into this idea was um, because I think it's not a magic bullet. I think it's it's important to, to make that clear. But I think that it could certainly help alleviate poverty uh, here in Wales uh, and in the United Kingdom if it was adopted uh, there as well. Um, I think it could, and we've seen this from past trials, that it could significantly improve physical and mental well-being. I think it could encourage entrepreneurship and, uh, and I think it could improve educational attainment uh, as well. And, and finally, I think it's important to mention, I think that it could move us away, or at least I hope it could move us away from an economy that's obsessed with, with jobs and, and growth and one that has well-being at its heart.
3: I'm well used to in uh, policy development, Corinne, looking at Scotland and then taking it and making things work in Wales. I I did some work on carrier bags, which uh, followed the Scottish model and then Wales made it work. But um, can can you tell us a little bit about the Scottish experience and, uh, you know, the Scottish pilot, which uh, we've all been reading about recently?
1: Citizens income is a sort of policy idea which has kind of come to the fore Um, In recent years, um, in the public interest, not just uh, in Scotland, but uh, across the world as a potential solution to reducing poverty. And uh, our starting point was, you know, the levels of poverty and inequality are stubbornly high in some of our local communities and... Like other areas of the UK, we've had uh, local fairness commissions that have provided a focus for uh, considering um, innovative solutions for uh, you know, creating a, a fairer society and an economy centred on wellbeing. Uh, the Fair Fife Commission in 2015 probably marks the starting point for some of our, our work in Scotland. It, it, it recommended that Fife should look to select a town um, in which to test out a local pilot of basic income. And uh, following that, we started uh, to engage with leading experts on basic income in Scotland uh, and around the world uh, with support of civil society, including the, the RSA, Carnegie UK Trust, and um, around that time, Citizens Basic Income Scotland uh, Advocacy Network was established at the start of 2017. We started those conversations about what, what would that actually mean in practice to, to design a local pilot. But by that stage, other local authorities in Scotland, uh, including North Ayrshire, Glasgow and Edinburgh, had also become, begun those conversations. We came, The four local authorities came together to explore how we might do this collectively. And then in uh, September 2017, the, the Scottish Government, through its programme for government, said that it would support the local authorities to undertake a feasibility study. So it was a, a very different role, actually, supporting that innovation that had, had come from through local councils and, and then, uh, say, Scottish Government um, in enabling that. So for, for over two years, we had a, a unique partnership of uh, the four local authorities, five Council, North Ayrshire Council, City of Edinburgh Council and Glasgow City Council, together with Public Health Scotland, and supported by the Scottish Government and the Improvement Service. And, and we work together to explore the feasibility of a citizens-based income pilot in Scotland.
3: Thanks for that. I, I don't know where we are in Wales, Jonathan, with a lot of this. Have we had anything to set us up like that kind of commission? Or has the announcement from Welsh Government really taken you by surprise cool. as, it, as it has others?
2: Yes, it's definitely taken me by surprise how quickly, I mean, you know, when we started the lab back uh, in the summer of, of last year, I think that if you had told me that the Welsh Government would announce a pilot in 12 months' time, I would have probably laughed at you, to be honest. You know, it was a, it was a long-term ambition, and I think, you know, there's clearly been work done on this, and, and, and of course, it's very helpful, of course, that Scotland ha- have done... A lot of work because there's a lot of parallels there with us uh, with Scotland but uh, the Future Generations commissioners has, has collaborated with Autonomy uh, and they've drafted a report and uh, you know we had some input in that uh, but I think that well at least I hope that uh, now that we've made this announcement that Welsh Government will start to engage with groups like ourselves for example uh, in order to have some input so that they have people not just policymakers in government, for example, but people on the ground who who really care about this uh, are having some sort of input uh, into it. So um, I think it's pretty fresh um, and it's quite exciting and yeah, we'll we'll see what happens now uh, with, obviously, the announcement.
3: Have you got any thoughts on what Welsh Government are proposing at this stage? Well, there's been some
2: murmurs, haven't there, that it's going to be uh, aimed at carers and... I think it's it's important to make clear that any pilot is is a win as far as we're concerned because I think that you can learn from it. But if that's what they intend on doing, at least I think there are dangers with that having a particular cohort of people because you know you're not going to get the evidence that that you want from that. At least you know if, for example, you know care leavers, for example, I think that you know there's a lot of support that people coming out of care need, and I think that perhaps just giving them an income won't necessarily solve uh, some of the problems that they're experiencing or or I imagine a lot of the problems they're experiencing so I think that there is a danger that of course if you do that and and you don't quite get the results that you want from it or or at least we would hope if we had a substantive pilot then it could do more damage than good Um, and of course we've come such a long way in such a short space of time that I think it it would be quite a travesty really if if it set us back and, and, and destroyed the idea you know.
0: What details do we have about, about the Welsh Government pilot? Do we have any sort of information about what sort of amount this will be at? Because I mean, recent research by the Citizens Advice Bureau is suggesting for a UBI to be an adequate basic income, it needs to be around £11,000 per person per year. The Welsh Government couldn't afford that amount of money, could it? So w- what are they proposing in terms of
2: this trial? From what I've seen, there's nothing on on the amounts uh, thus far. You know, it's it's been it's just simply been Mark Rufford has announced that he's going to run a pilot, and, and Jane Hutt is is going to be responsible for that. It's going to be part of a brief. In terms of amounts, I don't know, but the, the you know it does have to be good amount. Uh, and there are arguments, there are uh, experts like you know Guy Standing that will say, well, any figure it is a start, and you know if, if that figure, for example shows positive results, or at least has some positive results, then there's the argument then to increase it. And I think I'd probably agree that, you know, if we, we get something, it's a start. But I certainly, you know, if you're asking me, it would have to be an adequate amount. Yeah, so there's not been anything as of yet about how much. And I think that, you know, obviously, we're all very keen to, to learn what that would be.
0: Corin, in your work, did, was there any sort of discussion about what an adequate amount for a basic income would be?
1: Yes, I mean, as part of our model uh, in the report that we set out in June 2020, it proposes two payment levels for piloting. First is a a lower payment in line with current benefit provision, so it would be possible to test the impact of the removal of conditionality. And the second would be a higher payment aligned to the Joseph Rowntree Foundation's minimum income standard.
0: So one of the discussions we're having at the moment is whether, in fact, Wales and the Welsh Government have the power to do this. In the Scottish experience, was it found that the Scottish government had sufficient levers and powers to actually implement a, a full UBI?
1: So we launched our report in um, June 2020, uh, and it sets out some of the most detailed and comprehensive research into a uh, citizens basic income pilot available um, anywhere in, in the UK. Alongside that, we commissioned uh, research exponent uh, potential benefit interactions and economic modelling of the potential impacts of um, a Scotland-wide um, CBI. We also look to learn from pilots in countries with uh, similarly developed uh, social security systems. So we look particularly at Finland, the Netherlands and Ontario in terms of what we could learn in designing local pilots in Scotland. Through our report, we've set out a proposition for how local pilots should be trialled in Scotland. And we believe that a well a robust and well-designed pilot would provide an invaluable opportunity to test and evaluate the effects of CBI within the Scottish and wider UK context, and particularly the impacts that CBI would have on poverty. But you're right, and research concludes that whilst it's desirable to pilot a CBI in Scotland, it's currently not feasible due to substantial challenges associated with institutional arrangements. So in short, at no one level of government can pilot a CBI without substantive uh, and complex uh, legislative, technical, and delivery changes. So the stage we're at just now is that uh, how our feasibility study can contribute to wider discussions on society and a wellbeing economy in Scotland and across the UK.
0: John, what do you make of that? Because obviously Wales has a less powerful devolved parliament than Scotland. I mean, we don't have powers uh, over welfare and taxation. Well, we just have some taxation powers, but we certainly don't have uh, the same level of scotland we don't have powers over welfare Uh, and even if we did mark drakeford has said he is you know not keen to to change the welfare and taxation systems we have in wales with that in mind are you are you at all concerned about even though the welsh government have promised this they'd be able to implement something like this
2: I think perhaps that's part of the reason at the moment, at least, that they're looking at care leavers because they might think that, you know, that they can, that it's within their gift to do it with, with care leavers, you know, whereas if, you know, they wanted a more substantive pilot, then they might not be able to do it. But I think that, you know, we're very alert to the fact that we don't have the, the powers at this very moment in time in order to, to roll out a UBI you know for people like myself who are campaigning for this it's in order to get a pilot we don't necessarily need to devolve all of the powers all of the taxation powers all of the benefit powers what we do need is is you know hmrc dwp to sign off us to um, have the distributive powers uh, in order to to roll out a pilot so for example we would need the authority from them if we were to have a pilot to say well participant number one if they were on universal credit we can change that so um, they no longer get the employment means tested benefits and instead they would get this unconditional income instead so I think it's not the hurdles are not as high as as some might think they are it's important now that the likes of you know Beth Winter has has put out this early day motion for example asking you know Westminster to, to, to allow us to do this and you know, I think you made an important point actually Matt, in terms of um, you know we have some uh, taxation uh, income tax powers and and people say well it's it's really unlikely that, that you're going to get the Tories to 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 allow us to do this in Westminster but I think the rebuttal to that is that well actually the income tax powers that we were given were under a Tory government you know they were in, I think it was 2016 that we were given those taxation powers so I think that it's not beyond the realms of possibility um, and I think it's like I said it's down to campaigners such as myself who really want to pilot this you know and all we're asking is to pilot it at the moment you know to test whether or not this is a good idea or not which some of us like myself are convinced it is um to do it so yeah it's a, it's a, it's a challenge but uh, I think it's one we're all up for
0: oh and I, I don't deny I don't doubt for a second that you know you're willing to take that challenge on but I mean Cameron's conservatives are a Bit of a different prospect to Boris Johnson's conservatives in terms of their desire to centralize, right?
2: Yeah, I, I think so, but I think also, you know, Boris is this Boris Johnson's this great populist, isn't he? So, if you, you know get a focus group together and they all say this is a great idea, you never know that he, he might actually do it. So, the opinion polls change, and I think the last, I think uh, the future gens commissioner um, commissioned a, a poll through Servation that said that 69% of of people in Wales actually want this to happen. So, you know, it's, like I said, I don't think it's beyond the realms possibility. I completely accept you're absolutely right. It's a completely different beast, Boris Johnson's government. But, and I suppose the argument is as well, is that, well, this is fantastic movement of independence happening in Wales at the moment, you know, and and, and it's really exciting to watch. You know, it might be his thinking, well, if we, if we give them this bit of rope, it might put out that fire a little bit as well, you know? So... Again, you know, I think it's 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 a huge political question, isn't it? And again, like I said, I, I don't think it's beyond the of possibility.
3: So I'm a member of the Green Party, so the, the UBI principles have been something I, I've been supporting for some time now. But when I when I was originally reading about it, I, I wasn't convinced. And um, we had a really good blog written for the podcast this week, which was um, exploring issues against UBI. You know, are you able to talk us through just that quick kind of, why is UBI beneficial? You know, it's not just going to make the rich richer. You know, will it really be able to address the issues of poverty in society that we've got?
2: We've seen from trials already, you know, that there has been really positive results with this. You know, it's, I think in India and Namibia, for example, it showed that there was a huge increase in in entrepreneurship and one of the huge uh, argument against the UBI is that it will make people lazy. You know, people are not going to, to work uh, if they receive a UBI. And and the pilot in Finland, for example, the pilot in Stockton in California. In Finland, it was marginal, the increase in, in employment activity, but it was an increase. So it didn't go backwards. So it rebuts that argument. And in Stockton, I think it was quite substantial, the the uh, the amount of employment activity increased. So I think that you know, it's, uh, it's certainly a, a good idea. And I think it's a policy, you know, and there's always that automation argument as well. You know, it, it, it's a, it, it, we're going to need to start thinking about that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of experts in that field that are saying that a lot of jobs, for example, are, are, are going to, uh, you know, be done by robots and, and that sort of thing. And, and you know, I, I think there are arguments against that as well because we, we do sort of adapt, don't we, you know, when technology comes along and, and we adapt, but this, that certainly... Um, something that we need to consider and I think that's why it, it is a policy fit for the 21st century and I think it's commendable that and, and the Greens need you know a, a huge shout out with this that they, they've been pushing this policy for a long time you know and, uh, and and it's great now that everyone's getting on board and you know I think the Greens need a lot of credit for that and uh, yeah so uh, kudos to you Kerry and, uh, and the Green Party.
3: One of the things Jonathan mentioned there which has come out in Wales in the recent times is that the rise in entrepreneurship and um, that th- this kind of payment can have was that something which the Scottish report identified I
1: think certainly a starting point and that certainly the the pandemics exposed it in terms of nature of precarious work and uh, it it shouldn't be that in one of the richest countries in the world that we have people who don't have enough money to live so one of the things with a a basic income is it provides a minimum income floor and again it's it's like the the water it lifts all boats and it it gives people more money to spend in local economies it gives people choice about what they do it gives you know there's an emancipatory effect in terms of um You know, financial control and things. So, for people to have the choice um, about how they spend their time, uh, it also values caring and uh, and other responsibilities as well that are not uh, treated as, as jobs and monetary things, but probably arguably have a greater value to society. And it would encourage more, you know, encourage more volunteering, encourage more caring. Again, there's this sort of reciprocity principle as well, that if um, if you treat citizens in a certain way, and you know, in a way that, that um, you ensure that they're sort of provided for them, then citizens will give back as well, rather than it being um, the, the kind of model that we have. And I think part of the conversation to start is just imagining that there is a different way of doing things than we are currently doing that would actually be better in, in terms of that well-being economy and um, better prepare us for some of the future challenges.
3: I, I don't want to put either of you on the spot, but one of the things I was looking at in researching for today's pod was the, the cost to society that a UBI would be, be able to offset. So the, the costs around crime, poor health, poor housing, the things you'd hope a, a UBI would look to address and therefore reduce the burden on society. I, I was really struggling to find um, a UBI related figure I was finding billions upon billions of a uh, cost to society from poverty are, are you, have you got any figures you can you can let us have on what this could actually save the government rather than what it's going to cost
1: not specifically uh figures but just to say that the model that we propose in Scotland is is a saturation pilot based um on focusing on, on the local community and looking at the, those community effects. And uh, the Ontario study gives an example of that and, and building on Dauphin, um, Manitoba in the, in, in the 70s where they did really good work and then they forgot about the files for 30, 40 years um, before they then actually did the analysis and saw uh, what it had saved in terms of health services and so on.
2: I think the figure at the moment in terms of administering benefits is is something like seven billion before they give out a penny, you know. So it's a huge amount of money, isn't it that 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 we're that we're paying out in order to just work out who deserves what, you know? So I think that by having this this UBI, and I think it's worth mentioning that you know to begin with. It, you, you would still have housing benefit and disability benefit and, and they would need reform in their self until you had this universal basic income that that could cover those costs for example but you know you, you would do away with a, a significant chunk of that and as Corin just mentioned you know in terms of the, the gains that we have from physical uh, and mental well-being you know the the, the strain that that would then reduce on the NHS you would save a colossal amount of money uh, in in terms of that as well and also I think you know when you when you have people who are less stressed because you know their financial anxiety is a massive thing uh, and I think it's something that isn't talked about quite enough and if you have people who are less stressed about Whether or not they could put food on the table tomorrow, or they could pay their bills, for example, then they they're happier, they're healthier, they're going to be more productive people, which will inevitably mean that they're more productive workers as well. And I know that that quite doesn't square with you know we're trying to move away this obsessed obsession about jobs and all the rest of it, but at the same time, you know that that's going to help the economy. Um, and in particular, you know, going back to the the point about uh, you know the NHS, you know, they, they're going to need all the help they can get in, in in the coming years, particularly recovering from COVID. So,
3: um, yeah, I think that uh, that that's an important point to make. Just to clarify that, John, the seven billion cost of administering welfare—that that's UK wide. Please tell me that's not just Wales.
2: Yeah, definitely UK wide. Yeah, Kerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. Because one of the, one of the things I find this afternoon was that. Um, You know, in Wales, Public Health Wales report on making a difference says that poverty and poor health in Wales, just in the mental health field, costs us seven point two billion a year. I'm just trying to get that offset in to make the argument. It that the figures are incredible.
2: And just to quickly say that it's incredibly expensive to be poor. You buy clothes that are cheaper that don't last very long, for example, which end which you end up having to buy more of. Then, so um, yeah, you know, it's, it's like I said, expensive to be poor. So that's important to point out as well.
1: Just to add that uh, one in five pounds of public expenditure um, in the UK goes on uh, dealing with the consequences of poverty. So if you uh, alleviate poverty, you can have a very different set of public services by making things universal to say they're they're cheaper to administer and there's no stigma uh, attached to that sort of means testing and so on
0: sorry to be a bit of a grumpy old trade unionist but I'm going to put that hat on now to what extent is that seven billion pounds you talk about people's jobs people who work in administering welfare payments etc so you know you say it's offset but are you just saying we're just going to get rid of these people from their
2: jobs just to clarify, I'm also a grumpy trade unionist as well, Matt. You know, I'm a GMB <laughs> member. All the bureaucracy that's involved with, with administering benefits, you know, it's not just people and all the rest of it, but there's as well what you need to think. I think what's also considered in that as well is, is the errors as well through administering benefits. So, yeah, they there, of course, admittedly, that if you are trimming this away, then they, they, they may potentially be... Well, there will be job losses in that, in that. But I think that it's important then and responsibility of government to find, you know, people or those people, the opportunity to retrain into different sectors as well. You know, they're all civil servants. They might be able to do something. You know, somewhere else for example so it, it is that and it, it's the same with anything isn't it you know any sort of advancements and all the rest of it, it, it there's always that worry of job losses so uh, yeah completely with you on that as a fellow uh rugby trade unionist
0: ubi lab wales got 25 of the 60 sitting senate members to sign up to their pledge but well, that is you know that's short of a majority right mm. are, you, are you convinced that you would get over that threshold now or are you still worried that it, it may struggle to to get uh, complete political support?
2: Well, I think that you know we, we've got a majority with the progressives, so that's, that's what that's important to point out. You know, it, and it's cross party, which is good. You know, because uh, it, it's always good to have these progressive alliances as well. But I think it's important to note that you know Mark Drakeford himself has said that he's a fan of the idea, but well, he didn't sign the pledge. There's twenty six. You know, behind closed doors, if you were to ask some people in government, for example, um, if they were supportive of the idea, they would tell you yes. But because they're in government, they won't sign a pledge. You know, it's just not what they do. So I think if if you were to tot up the numbers, we'd have quite a, a nice majority in that in that respect. Yeah,
0: Karin what about the Scottish Parliament? Obviously, we've we've been so focused on whether that had a pro-union or pro-independence majority that we've we've. From from Welsh perspectives anyway, we've not asked questions like, is there a majority in favour of, of universal basic income in the Scottish Parliament?
1: With the, the sort of recent um elections, the SNP have the majority of seats, but still still a minority. But together with the Greens, then there's a that uh, the, both SNP and the Green Party had a commitment to sort of basic income um, within that, uh, particularly focus on a minimum income guarantee, which might be something that we see more activity around in in Scotland in the near future in terms of what can be done within um, sort of existing powers. We have, through the process, engaged with um, the cross-party group in the Scottish Parliament on basic income. Basic income is one of those things that actually cuts across parties for different reasons. It appeals to, to, to different parts. But that's been really helpful in terms of raising awareness of the benefits of a basic income um, across the different parties and across different parliamentary portfolios in recent years.
3: In in our script, Matt tells me that Dr John Ball suggests that any scheme that isn't carefully constructed and carefully targeted will fail. And actually, I share those concerns as well. I, I am nervous about what was being announced in Wales, but if it isn't a fully functioning UBI scheme, or certainly of a certain level, it, it might really hurt the idea of basic income. Do you share those concerns, or are you comfortable?
2: Well, I, I said earlier, didn't I, you know, if, if it is this care leavers uh, idea, then I do worry. It, it's sort of bittersweet, isn't it? You know, we've, we've got this announcement that there's a pilot, and and then, you know, it comes out, and it might potentially just be for You think, oh, you know, is, is, this, is, is this the right thing, and... You know, like I said, those people need support and, and I think it's right you're looking at supporting those people. But in terms of, a, you know, a universal basic income, you know, one of the central features of it is universality. And you're never going to get a, a, a wholly universal trial, for example, but you want to try and get to that or close to that, sorry, as you possibly can by having children pensioners employed unemployed people so you can test all of these different cohorts of people so it it does make me nervous it definitely makes me nervous uh, about this and and hopefully you know Mark Drakeford and and his government and and his advisors, for example, are open to to having these conversations with hopefully the the likes of UBI Lab Wales and and other organisations are really pushing the idea as well. You know, I think that it's important that they engage with with people on the ground, as I mentioned. So um,
3: it does make me nervous, Carrie. I'll, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Was that something uh, supporters in Scotland, Basic Income Scotland, Corin, was there that trepidation as well, that unless you can do this in the right way, it would be damaging to the to the idea of the, the, the scheme?
1: As uh, Some basic advocates would say the devil is in the detail of the schemes within this, so that the model that we've proposed... Um, aims to understand the impact of a basic income on poverty, child poverty and unemployment, as well as health and financial well-being and experience of the social security system. And our model's based on, our preferred model is based on five key principles. It's universal, it's paid to all, it's unconditional, there's no requirement to search for work, it's individual, it's not paid to households like universal credit, it's periodic, it's paid at regular intervals and it's made as a cash payment. And some of the things um, you know in other parts of the world that sets out as basically don't don't meet all those criteria. So in some ways, the model we've set out is sort of aspirational to be able to, to try and, and, and fit with those. Um, but say we've taken um, account of things like interaction with benefit system to look at what uh, benefits should be continued along, alongside. You know, so it's not as if you you're scrapping it completely. It's it's looking at how can we test test this out alongside the, the, the current system that we have to, to help point to how we could do things in, in the future.
2: It's important to note that if we don't get the pilot right, then it will put the idea back years, decades, potentially completely cripple the idea, you know, and, and you know, when we've been campaigning and, and we've come so far, like I said, it will be a travesty, but also... It's important to note that we shouldn't let the perfect be the enemy of the good here, but also I think Corin said something really important earlier, and I just want to touch on it because I've remembered, um, that the emancipatory effects of this, of a universal basic income, are incredibly important. It's one of the central features of it. And I think that what you need to do with a pilot as well is that you need to remove that conditionality of it. So, for example, if you still have if people on participating in this pilot for example are still receiving some means tested benefits as well then you're not going to get those emancipatory effects because they're still having to meet all these behavioral conditions and jump through hoops in order to get their benefits payments so I think that what this pilot needs to do is, is replace that so it does free them up uh, to do the things that they want so that we get that empirical evidence that that we we desperately want it to, to prove that this is a good thing
3: as a as a ubi uh, believer i i don't think it'll it'll set anything back decades really it might it might affect wales but we're one of a a number of areas looking at this you know germany doing something which is 3 years long and it's only a small amount of people but we've got to wait for these studies to come through as well so I share those concerns, but, you know, it's not going to set the idea back, even if Wales doesn't do it quite right or anything like that, or if Scotland can't uh, implement it in the way it wants to. But it's definitely a growing movement. And, you know, what do you both see as, as, as the future, not just in our respective countries, but do you see, with your experience of, it, of the idea of UBI gaining momentum around the world?
1: the COVID-19 pandemic has, has really sort of exposed the sort of high levels of economic security, uh, e- even within a developed country with, with a developed social security system. While um, the research wasn't specifically focused on the economic and social impact of, of COVID, it, it's, it's certainly helped people appreciate why this is a, an idea worth considering. Just to say also that they don't need to do pilots of basic income to show that it's a good idea and it would be, be beneficial. But if we do them, then there's a lot of learning that we can take from them that can help to shape a more sort of universal rollout of a scheme in the future.
2: From a Welsh perspective as well, you know, if we are to, to pilot this, you know, any academic worth their salt you know, would would want to see the evaluation of, of of the pilot as well. So it's it'd be really good to put Wales on the map as well. You know, to have this. I mean, we've seen, for example, there's been a lot of attention about the Welsh announcement in America. You know, I think Andrew Yang's movement Humanity Forward, for example, wrote a message on Twitter in Welsh congratulating us on on getting this pilot. So it's it's really exciting. You know, everyone in the in the space is really excited about it and, and I think that as Colin said that there's a lot of learning that we can do from it and you know it goes back to that Kira's point it, it's not the end of the world if it is uh, just the Kira's pilot but in order for us to get that proper data I think that it needs to be a, a substantive pilot where we look at a number of cohorts of people you know like employed unemployed pensioners and children so it's exciting and uh, it's a great time to be a a ubi advocate
3: i think if it is the carers um, approach it might not be ubi but i think that policy about supporting carers is something which needs to be done whatever the kind of terminology we're using is it so it's a fantastic idea to to try and alleviate whatever kind of issues people who are leaving care have got so that that's got to be welcome whether it's ubi or not yeah, completely agree with you there, Karen. absolutely.
1: Just to add that as part of the Scotch Feasibility Study, we've done a lot of work on not just the design of the pilots, but also um, the evaluation, whether they're capable of being evaluated and we think that we've put forward so that that will be able to show impacts at a community level and an individual level within a, a sort of a given time frame.
0: Well, it's been fantastic to talk. To the two of you. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. If people want to hear more from you, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, Corin? Um,
1: at Basic Income Scott. Jonathan? At
0: UBI Lab Wales. Wonderful. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, and if you want to hear more from us at HereIthe, please don't forget to find us on Medium at HereIthe.com, on Facebook at HereIthe.com, and on Twitter at Blog. Thank you for listening to HereIthe. If you like what you heard, Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.